Well, I hope, um, hope everybody can hear me and I hope everybody was feeling the love of God today. It's hard to worship in this church and not feel God's presence. It's really hard. You, I mean, you have to be determined not to feel his presence, to not feel his presence here. Like we know his presence is real and we know that we're in his presence and his presence is in us. And really there's what I've, that's what I've come to talk to you about today, about the presence of God. And I think that if we would really understand it, that heaven is not God's greatest goal for us. Heaven never was God's greatest goal for us. His presence is his greatest goal for us. And what makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. What makes heaven heaven? Yes, the streets are made of gold, not paved with a thin layer of gold, made with gold. Yes, the walls are made of diamonds, thick diamonds. Yes, the gates where we get the phrase pearly gates from is because there are massive pearl gates in, into heaven. It, it is a real place and it is a glorious place and it is where no devil will ever tread, no demon will ever exist, no tears will ever need to be shed again for he will wipe every tear from our eyes there. But what makes heaven is not its location. What makes heaven is not its beauty. What makes heaven is, is not its perfection. What makes heaven is God's presence there. We talk about heaven and hell as an evangelist. I, I, I know I'm a pastor, but I, I think in my heart of hearts, I'm an evangelist. I, live to see souls saved. I live to tell people the gospel. I live to help other people share it more easily and understand how to communicate it more effectively. And as an evangelist, as a preacher, as a Christian talking about heaven and hell, the difference between heaven and hell is not just the location. It's not just the environment and the atmosphere. It is that in heaven, God's presence, God's presence is what fills heaven and what makes heaven heaven is God's presence. And what makes hell hell is the absence of God's presence. It is the absence. You see, man, man's soul can endure fire. You know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they walked through a fiery furnace and not one hair on their head was singed. They literally walked through. In fact, they turned it up so high that the people that the guards that were assigned to put Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace when they opened the doors to put them in there, they were burned to a crisp instantly. The guards, while Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego remained untouched in the midst of a fiery furnace. They're walking through fire. I mean, this is, this is, 
this is not, we're not talking about Tony Robbins fire, you know, walking on some fiery coals for a minute for motivation and all of that and the power of the mind. But we're talking about fire that's thousands upon thousands of degrees of heat that nothing can stand in its presence except God. Because our God is a consuming fire. He consumes our sin with his fire. He consumes our fears with his fire. He consumes our worries with his fire. He consumes our oppressors with his fire. He consumes everything that is trying to consume you. He destroys everything that's trying to destroy you. For he is a consuming fire. But they walked through the fiery furnace for one reason because the fourth man was with them. The fourth man in the fire was Jesus. Even Nebuchadnezzar noticed and saw. Behold, there's didn't we? He said, how many? He said, he said to the people, you know, the guards around. How many guys did we throw in that fiery furnace? Three, sir. Three, your majesty. Well, how come I see four in there? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. God's presence was always his intention for us, for his presence to live inside of us and for his presence and for us to live inside of his presence. It was always his intention. God's ultimate intention was for us to experience his presence. I want to like just walk you through for a moment. And by the way, tomorrow, Christmas morning miracle service, boy, this will be maybe I think our 30th time doing this. We were one of the few churches that actually gathers on Christmas morning. We're not we won't be having a Christmas. This is our Christmas Eve service, but tomorrow will be a different experience. It will be a time where we can pray over everyone and believe for a miracle for everyone. Just watch God move in our midst as he does every year. It surprises me. I think it's just going to be, you know, for years thought, you know, me and Grace were going to just come to Christmas morning miracle service. And it was going to be the two of us or <laughs> one or two of our kids. How many kids we had at that time? Thought, okay, it's going to be us four and no more. And and then we just would be amazed at every Christmas, everybody that would come because, you know, one of the great Christmas messages one of the great Christmas verses, I should say, that I enjoy talking about is when it does not even really a Christmas verse, but I made it a Christmas verse. And just like some people doubt that that um, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, it really is a Christmas movie. <laughs> people ask, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Die Hard. How could it not be your favorite Christmas movie? Something's wrong with you. if Die Hard is not your favorite Christmas movie. It's the best. But I love talking about this verse from the book of Mark, where when Jesus healed this man, the man said, I want to follow you everywhere now. And Jesus said to the man, go home, go home and tell your family members and your the people in your city 
of the great marvelous things that God has done for you. Go home. What a powerful message to go home. Powerful message that home should be a, a place where we get to talk about the things of God freely, and not have to watch what we say, not have to get into arguments, but talk about the marvelous things that God has done. And for many of us, for all of us, really, the church is our home. Welcome home. When we're together, we're home. Because God's presence is here and your presence is here. That's what makes it home. Amen. Jesus said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Jesus is always about taking whatever God has done in our life and sharing it with others. Amen. So, but I want to walk you through this progression of God's presence, where God's presence started with mankind and how God's presence ends with mankind. Let me walk you through this progression so that you see the similarity or the, you see the parallel and you see the common denominator here. Genesis chapter three, verse eight, after Adam and Eve had listened to the lie of the serpent, and bowed their knee to their own fears and insecurities, really they bowed their knee to the Satan, bowed their knee to Satan, bowed their knee to a lie and they became inferior. They became insecure. They weren't insecure or inferior before. In fact, there was nothing wrong with Adam and Eve. How could they sin when they weren't even sinners? Because the devil through the serpent got them to believe they were less than what they really were. They weren't less than, but the devil got them to believe they were less than. And when they believed they were less than, that's when they behaved less than. They weren't less than, but they believed they were. Oh, you're not like God. But if you eat from this tree, the devil serpent said, the devil said, you'll become like him. They already were like him. God had already done a great job making man in his own image. Amen. But they believed a lie that they weren't made in God's image. This is the lie that everybody listens to and everybody hears these, this lie. You're not like God. You're not with God. God you're inferior. You're insecure. You're less than. You're less than. You're less than. That's why people are so, so intoxicated by popularity because it's a feeble attempt at compensating for being less than what God made you to be. You're not less than what God made you to be, but the devil wants you to feel that. So then you'll, your goal will be to become superior or to feel better about yourself or to feel popular, to feel those things. But God already gave us those things. If we would just believe the truth. And it says, and they, after they had fallen in Genesis three, eight, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Where was he walking in the garden? Where were they? They were 
put by him in the garden. And what was God doing in the garden? He was walking in the cool of the day. And so they must have experienced walking with God in the cool of the day. But now they're hiding from God because they have given in to their shame and given in to this lie that they were less than. And now they truly are less than. And they, so they hid themselves and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among all the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? The, the, the quintessential question, the, the most important question, where are you? The most important question that anyone can answer in your life is, where are you? You know, where we can say where we want to be, where I want you to be able to say this when you walk out of here today, where are you? I'm in the presence of God and the presence of God is in me. You see, the first, the first purpose that God created Adam and Eve for was to walk with him in the cool of the day. It was to walk in his presence. This was God's original intention. This was God's original plan. That man that he created would walk with him, that would walk with God. But now they are put out from the garden because of their, because they opened themselves up to Satan. They became children of darkness and they could not remain in the presence of God. And from that point on, God put into plant, put into operation his plan to dwell with man forever and ever. So we see his presence showing up in several ways over time, a progression to bring us to where we are today. The first stage of where God's presence dwelt was he dwelt with man in the garden in the cool of the day. There was the God, there was the presence of God in the garden, walking in the cool of the day. And then God shows up to Moses in a burning bush. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed because the bush was where God dwelt. He put and limited his presence to that one place into that burning bush and the bush was not consumed because it was God's presence. God met with Moses through a burning bush. First, he met with man in the garden of Eden, walking in the cool of the day, then in a burning bush in Exodus chapter three, and then in a tabernacle made in the wilderness in Exodus chapter four, verse 34, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, the tabernacle of meeting. And it says, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. The glory of, of the Lord is the, the goodness of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is the cloud of God's glory, the thick presence of God's glory by which no man can stand in his presence without being washed by the blood of Jesus. Not because God doesn't want man in his presence, but because man's condition cannot stand in God's presence because in him there is no darkness. He is all light. So one little ray of darkness inside of man's sinful condition exiles 
man from the presence of God. So we see God's presence in the garden in the cool of the day. And then we see God's presence in the burning bush talking to Moses and giving him his divine assignment. And then we see God's presence in the tabernacle in the wilderness. The cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Then we see God's presence in the Ark of the Covenant. Now I'm going to go back in Exodus, but I want you to understand that the Ark of God's Covenant, the Ark of His Covenant is where the Holy of Holies was and where the presence of God was now, He, he restricted Himself, confined Himself to the Ark of the Covenant where the high priest would go in and sprinkle blood over the Ark of the Covenant and over the mercy seat in the temple of God, in the Ark of the Covenant where God dwelt in this box that they carried. There's an ark, it's not, the, not Noah's ark, it's the ark, there's a box that was small, but it was carried on poles between, with four men holding it as they walked and carried God's presence wherever they took the ark of the covenant. I know this might sound like, well, this is kind of like a boring Sunday school lesson here, Got a pastor about, the, about this presence of God, but we're going somewhere with this. Notice the progression. We have God's presence walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And then we have God's presence found in the burning bush speaking to Moses. And we have God's presence in the tabernacle that they built, that Moses built in the wilderness. And then we have God's presence in the Ark of the Covenant. It says, and let them make me a sanctuary in Exodus 25, verse 8, that I may dwell in their midst. But in an even more specific way, we see the ark served as the place of God's presence. And he says, there I will, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, there I will meet with you. Verse 22 says, there I will meet with you on the ark of the testimony. There I will meet with you. And there I will speak to you. There I will meet with you. And there I will speak to you there. I will meet with you in verse 22 and there I will speak to you. One more time. I want to say it there. I will meet with you, God says, and I will speak to you from above the mercy seat. God's presence is now found in the Ark of the Covenant and then God's presence is found in the temple that David was planning on building, but Solomon ended up building this temple. And it says in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13, the trumpeters and the singers joined together to praise and thank the Lord. And it says, with one voice, they lifted up their voices, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever and his loving kindness endures forever and his mercy endures forever. Amen. If we would just declare today, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Who can say that with me? For he is good and his mercy endures forever. 
If we would get our minds fixed on this nature of God, he is good and his mercy endures forever. I'm telling you what we will experience is that it says in the very next verse, and that house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests, it says, they could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I am prophesying to you that we are coming into a day where we experience this kind of glory, this kind of power, this kind of presence. There will come a day, and I'm already experiencing some of these days where I can't even stand in this place. It just brings me to my knees. I can't stand in God's presence. It brings me to my knees. I feel God's love, and I feel his mercy, and I feel his acceptance so deeply sometimes that it just brings tears to my eyes wherever I am. It's not because I've been a Christian long enough, been holy enough. It's because I've finally realized that this is what he has longed for, to dwell among his people. The glory of God was so thick. We've seen manifestations of God's presence in these ways. I've been in meetings where there was, these are before the days of fog machines in church. I've seen his glory. I've seen a glimpse. We would see sometimes in services, it was so thick you could hardly see what was right in front of you there. Many church, many Christians have experienced this. Some churches have actually experienced this. We've actually had moments where his presence was so great we couldn't stand. We couldn't speak. We couldn't. Why? Because his presence is so beautiful. There's there's no goal beyond his presence. It's not like something's greater is coming. It's just that our bodies, our physical bodies are limited in how much of his presence we can carry, how much of his presence we can take without it killing us. Our mortal bodies are flawed. Our mortal flesh is flawed and God's presence in, in its fullness would burn us up. That's why he's going to give us a glorified body. This is a temporary shell we're living in and he's going to give us a glorified body. He's going to give us an immortal body where we will be able to endure and be in his presence 24 hours a day where there is no sun because his presence is enough light to be. There is no nighttime because his presence is constantly lighting the universe. There is no night. There is no darkness. There is no fear. There is no shame. There is no defeat. There is no failure. There are no demons. There is no demonic power. There is nothing in the principalities. There's no principalities or powers or might or glory. Only the glory of God and those who are washed in the blood of Jesus because God is reserving. There is a time where God's presence will be felt so greatly that people People will bow. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the, 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 the honor that we have, the honor, this is our greatest honor. This is our greatest privilege. I hope you can hear what I'm saying. This is our greatest honor and greatest privilege to be able to call him Lord, having not yet seen him in all his glory. 
We are able to call him Lord. We are able to bow and fall on our knees and give him glory. We are able to do that before we have seen him in all of his glory. Now make no mistake about it. Every all of creation will declare Jesus is Lord. All of creation will bow their knee to him. But we who bow our knee to him by choice, we will see the glory forever and ever. We will be with him in the glory forever and ever. There will be those who rejected. There will be those who rejected their opportunity to, to, to declare him Lord. There will be those who reject him as Lord. There will be those who refuse to bow their knee to him. Pride is the worst sin of all. To think that you do not have to, to think that God is somehow less than worthy of falling on our knees. To think that he's less worthy of that is the greatest of all sin called pride. It's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. It's what took one third of the angels out. They tried to exalt themselves. The Bible says he who humbles himself will be exalted, but he who exalts himself will be humbled. How dare we not bow our knee? I don't mean if you didn't bow on your, if you didn't fall on your knees today, it's a bowing of your heart. It's a surrendering of your will. It's a, a bowing of your plans, embracing his. It's a surrender of who is Lord of your life? This world teaches us to be lords of our own lives. But God in his mercy teaches us that Jesus is Lord. God's presence in the temple. I don't want you to miss it tomorrow. The glory will show up. It'll show up in some way. His glory is here now, showing up in you and showing up in me. Showing up in the word of God being illuminated to us. Showing up in healings and miracles and signs and wonders. Showing up in our family members getting saved. Our family members being born again. People coming in to know their true worth like we were singing this song. Oh, holy night. When the soul discovers its worth, the soul discovers its worth. God comes, Jesus comes to the sons of this earth. He gives us a second birth. These glorious words that we get to sing, these thoughts that we get to fill our hearts and minds with, this savior we get to bow to, there is no other God but him. There is no other Lord but him. There is no greater power. There is no greater glory than the glory of God's presence. His presence was such that they could not stand because of the glory. I was, today I was just, honestly, I wasn't even really praying at this time, but I was reminded of this song and I started singing this song today. I don't, I think our team knows it. It's really old, but the words are so good. I just thought I'd 
read them to you. It just came to me. And I just I couldn't get this this these lyrics or this 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 sound out of my mind. I was my mind was fighting between between this song and after seeing Wonka pure imagination and that song it was like there was this war going on inside of me. <laughs> and these this song says Jesus all glorious create in us a temple called as living stones where you are enthroned as you rose from death in power, so rise within our worship, rise upon our praise, and let the hand that saw you raised clothe us in your glory, draw us by your grace. Oh, the glory of your presence. We, your temple, give you reverence. Come and rise from your rest and be blessed by our praise as we glory in your embrace, as your presence now fills this place. And I just kept hearing this and singing it. I got in the green room and I was singing it and Gina was there. Gina was listening to me and she's like, what are you singing? Where did that come from? What? Because it wasn't a great, I wasn't doing a great job at it, but <laughs> the lyrics are amazing. I'm going to read them to you again in a moment, but God's presence progressed from the temple into a man. God's presence showed up in the man, Jesus. Matthew 1:23 says, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. He said, you're going to name him Jesus, the savior of your the savior who saves you from your sins and a virgin will give birth to a child and bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted as God with us. The beauty of us, glory to God, God wants us. God loves us. God's presence is among us. He comes in the form. His presence shows up in a man, Christ Jesus. Then God's presence shows up in humanity by an offer from Jesus to come and live inside of us. Revelation chapter three, verse 20 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said, he says, if anyone, male, female, confused, boy, girl, child, adult, sinner, saint, saved or unsaved, if anyone hears my voice, he's for everybody. If anyone, I'm one, I'm one of those. I might not qualify as this kind of person or that kind of person, but I glory to God, I'm an anyone. Amen. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. He says, he doesn't say I'll come near him. He says, I will come into him Amen. and I will dine with him and he with me. 
The progression of God's presence starts in the garden, walking in the cool of the day, then shows up in a burning bush, then continues to in God in the tabernacle that God instructs Moses to build, and then in the ark of the in the ark of the covenant, God's presence dwells, and then His presence progresses into the temple that Solomon builds for the glory of God, and then God's presence progresses into the man Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And then his presence progresses into our very lives where he lives inside of us. He doesn't live near us. He doesn't live around us. He lives inside of us. Yes, he's around us. Yes, he's with us. He is God the Father. He is God for us. He is God the Son. He is God with us. But he is also God the Holy Spirit. He is God inside of us. Woo! The progression of God's presence. The progression of God's presence was to bring us to this moment where he would live inside of us. Let me tell you something. All of your guilt, all of your shame, all of the condemnation that you listen to, the beating up of yourself, it's for no reason, it's for no purpose because he is not leaving you because of that. He is not coming to you because you get rid of it all. He's not coming into you because you're holy enough. He's not leaving you because you're un too unholy. He will never leave you or forsake you because he has moved his presence from a garden on this earth into a burning bush on this earth, into a tabernacle in the wilderness, into an ark of the covenant that they had to carry from place to place, into the temple, into the man into God's people directly to live inside of you where he says, and I will walk among them and I will live inside of them and they shall never be away from me and I shall never be away from them and nothing will separate you. Nothing will separate us from the presence. Nothing. Nothing. There is no space between us and God. There is no space. May all devils bow their knee to this reality. There is no space between you and God. What about my mistakes? What about my sins? What about my failures? What about my shortcomings? There is no space between you and God. There was because of sin, but now there is no space because of sin anymore because you are not in sin. You are in Christ. Jesus is not in your holiness. He is in you with all your unholiness. I'm not saying to stay that way, but he's not leaving. He's taking up permanent residency. If the devil ever tries to come back and li live in my life, there's this old motel sign out in front of my heart. It says no vacancy. They still got some of those shabby places on Northwest Highway, <laughs> I pass by him. Who is staying here? I'm wondering who could stay in. The, but there's no vacancy, it says. <laughs> God's presence stays with us and God's presence progresses from us and in us into the church. The body of Christ, the local church and the global 
body of Christ. It says in Matthew chapter 18, we all know this verse, or if you don't, you'll know it. Verse 19 again, Jesus says, I tell you truly that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Beloved, I want you to hear and understand this, that all those places that God dwelt, he's moved on from, except for two places. Of course, he, Jesus, the man, is always Emmanuel, but the only two places that God dwells now when it comes to this earth is inside of you and in the church where we gather, where the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling together as is the habit of some. It's not because they're bad. It's not you've been away because you've been bad. It's because you got into a bad habit, that's all. Get back into the habit of realizing that God's presence lives inside of you. And when we are gathered together, there is a multiplied, glorious aspect of his presence that cannot be obtained without you. Cannot be obtained without me. Cannot be obtained without you. Because you are carrying the presence of God. By the Holy Spirit living inside of you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11 says, this very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of your mortal body and he gives life to your mortal body. If we would get a hold of this, truly the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. If we get a hold of it, that God's presence lives inside of me and you. And when we come together, there is a magnification and a multiplication of the glory of God such that cannot be experienced without gathering. You understand, he's still in you no matter what. But there is a dynamic and there is a multiplied glory that comes when we are together. You know it. You feel it. You know it's true. Live like this because I need God's presence in you. I want all of God I can get. And you're carrying some of his presence. I need that. I'm jealous for that. You need it in me. You should be jealous for that. I need it in you. I need it in everybody. This is why we must gather. This is why he dwells among the praises of his people. Something glorious happens. This is not shame on you, go to church more. This is, I'm greedy for God's presence. Gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. Get over here and worship with me because we need that aspect of God's presence that cannot be manufactured any other way. Woo! Come on, let's stand together. Let's stand together. I want you to just lift your hands today. 
And I want you to pray this prayer and say, oh, the glory of your presence. We are your temple and we give you reverence. Come and rise from your rest and be blessed by our praise as we glory in your embrace, as your presence fills this place. Just pray this also. Say, Jesus, all glorious, create in us a temple called as living stones where you are enthroned as you rose from death in power. So rise within our worship. Rise upon our praise. And let the hand that you and let the hand that saw you raised Clothe us in your glory. Draw us by your grace. In Jesus' name. Now just lift your hands to him. Let's lift our hands to him. Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Just, just take a moment in God's presence. Let's give him glory. Pray that you would know your soul's true worth today. Pray you would realize this holy night was so that Jesus could come and dwell amongst us and then come and live inside of us and then come and gather with us and be in our midst forever and ever. To the very end. World without end. World without limitations world without darkness. And if you're here today and you're watching perhaps today or you're at our city campus or you're here on this campus, with everybody just keep your hands raised for a moment. And let's pray together. If you're not sure you're saved or you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ into your life, just pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus Christ into my life I believe Jesus died for my sin, died for the sin of the world and rose from the dead. Jesus is Lord. I am now your child, washed by the blood of Jesus. Now I want everybody else to put your hands down, but those who prayed that prayer for the first time, keep your hands up. Those who prayed that prayer for the first time, keep your, would you put your hand back up? For those of you that pray, God bless you. God bless you. Who else with these? God bless you. Who else would said, today I prayed that prayer to receive Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. You're watching right now. God bless you. We speak blessing over you. You're at our city campus. We speak blessing over you. We say Merry Christmas for now. This child who was born, Emmanuel, now he lives inside of you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. And we have that promise. Tomorrow we shall see miracles amongst us. Tomorrow we will be a miracle for somebody else. And God will do a miracle for us. God will do a miracle for you. 
We'll pray together and we'll worship our beautiful Savior Jesus. From the baby to the to the king of all kings. Glory be to Jesus. Glory be to the one who will, would humble himself so much so that he could come to live inside of us. Live among his people. I'm so grateful. May you feel his presence all day, all night, rest of your life. And into tomorrow we gather for Christmas morning miracle service. If you need prayer for anything in the meantime, our team will be up here to pray with you. Merry Christmas Eve. Glory be to God. Let's worship the Lamb who deserves all the glory and all the honor. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a beautiful day. Beautiful, beautiful day. God bless you all.